Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Come On Baby Finish What You Started edition as we wrap up our draft-specific podcast with two conversations. First, it's Director of Player Personnel, Duke Tobin, and then number one draft pick, Dax Hill. Plus, we'll also share some nuggets about the players who are expected to sign with the Bengals as undrafted free agents. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free to play next level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since post-draft phone calls. Here's what happens for those of us covering the Bengals during the draft. Within minutes after the Bengals make a pick, a coach or two will do a news conference to discuss the player. Then, reporters all gather around a phone designed for conference calls where the player answers questions. Those phone calls are awesome for a multitude of reasons. For starters, we get to hear the joy in their voice moments after that life-changing phone call from Zach Taylor. For instance, here's seventh round pick, Jeffrey Gunter. Man, y'all gonna make me cry. Um, <laughs> I've, been dreaming, I, I've been dreaming about this day since I was eight years old. I used to, I used to be a, I used to be five, you know what I'm saying? And I would watch America's Game like back to back to back on the NFL Network. And it's just like seeing my name go across that screen, it's just everything I did was worth it, you know. As the seventh round was winding down, were you getting nervous that uh, it wasn't going to happen? <laughs> was I getting nervous? I was almost sure it wasn't going to happen, you know, but. You know, I, I kept faith in God, and you know, say so He pulled it through for me in the end. So, thank you, thank you all for taking a, taking a shot on me. Then there are the amusing anecdotes, like first round pick Dax Hill admitting that he was in the bathroom when the call came from the Bengals. Uh, it was crazy because I went to the restroom. My my family told me not to go to the restroom, so I had to really I hurry up, get up about the bathroom. So then I just picked up the phone and then. Went downstairs and just told everybody that the Bengals was calling. So that was kind of a, a funny moment I had tonight. So how, how close were you to not making out of the bathroom in time to make sure that you got the call? Oh, no, I made sure I had that call. I mean, I just had to zip up real quick. <laughs> zip up real quick. <laughs> and then call, I just, yeah, answered the phone. So after that, I was like, yeah, it's the Bengals. So I was, everybody was excited. And finally, there are the interesting nuggets, like second-round pick Cam Taylor-Britt, being from the same school as his new head coach. Your head coach is a Nebraska Hall of Famer. Do you have yes, sir. Do you have any knowledge of Zach Taylor's career as a quarterback for the Cornhuskers? <laughs> I kind of do, I can say. He made sure of that. <laughs> <laughs> what did he share? Not as, well, he was probably one of the best quarterbacks to come through Nebraska. <laughs> wasn't lying, he still holds Nebraska's single-season record for touchdown passes with 26 back in 2006 when he was named the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. Now, let's get to this year's draft class. The Bengals chose six players. Defensive backs Dax Hill, Cam Taylor, Britton, Tyson Anderson, defensive lineman Zachary Carter, edge rusher Jeffrey Gunter, and offensive lineman Cordell Volson. 
I spoke about the group with the guy who oversees the draft for Cincinnati, Director of Player Personnel, Duke Tobin. Duke, half of your six draft picks were defensive backs. All three seem very versatile. Is that more necessary now than ever? Or how much does that have to do with Lou Anarumo and his schemes? I, I think versatility is is a hallmark of any really good player on defense. It, it's hard to say a guy can be a one-trick pony at any position. I, I, I honestly, when when you're talking about versatility, um, it's one of the number one traits we talk about, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, but also on the offensive side. You could talk about offensive linemen that play multiple spots and and can fill in at different spots. So. It's really a trait that comes with the high-level player in, in today's football is the ability to do more than just one thing. And, um, and we were glad that the, the draft fell to us and gave us a chance to, to find those high-level players, in our opinion, and they're high-level players because they're, they're versatile. I think most people listening to this know about the quarterbacks that are in the AFC. The road to get back to the Super Bowl not only includes Patrick Mahomes, but Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan, the list goes on and on and on. Did that have anything to do with the emphasis that you put on defensive backs in particular and defense in general? I think we needed help on that side of the ball. Uh, you know, we needed some young players coming on, and uh, you know, each each year your team's a little different. Um, if the players weren't up to it when our draft spot came, we wouldn't have we would have taken somebody else at a different position. But it, it just so happened that that the players that we really liked also fit some needs for us, and, and that and that was good. You know, it, uh, the road to the Super Bowl also goes through Joe Burrow, and so uh, other teams have to worry too. And uh, and and uh, so, yeah, you, you want to be good in coverage. You want to be able to pass rush. I think when you look at the draft and what teams value in the draft, uh, pass rush and coverage are two of the biggest things. You traded up twice and surrendered sixth and seventh round picks in the process. How hard was that to do when you only had eight picks to begin with? Um, it, mechanically, it was easy to do. Uh, from from my heart standpoint, it was very difficult to do because I hate having to give up picks. And uh, it, the, this draft fell at, at a point when uh, we thought uh, that, that we had a chance of getting knocked out of the box and having to drop down a level of player at our pick. And uh, sometimes that conspires against you and you got to go get what you got to go get. And, and we felt like we needed to go get that. But <clears throat> giving up a pick, whether it's a seventh-round pick or a sixth-round pick, that's, a, in my, my view, that's a chance at a real player that, uh, that we're foregoing. And so it was very difficult for me personally to do it, uh, even though I'm the one that wanted to do it. And <laughs> so I'm conflicted, you know. <laughs> I've got a love-hate relationship with myself right now. <laughs> when you trade up. How specifically are you looking at the teams ahead of you and playing that, all right, this team needs a guy at that spot, and we have to do it? I think that plays into it. We, we do go through the exercise of looking at other teams' needs, and, and we have specific needs for each team. And as they go through the draft, we cross off those needs as they satisfy them. And uh, you never know what other teams are going to do. You never know if they have any regard for the guy that you're thinking about now or not. But you have to go through the exercise, and I think the more you go through it, maybe there's diminishing returns because you convince yourself everybody wants your guy, and maybe that's not the case. But uh, more often than not, 
the guy that you're looking at is also a guy the teams ahead of you are looking at. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty, uh, there's a lot of very good graders around the NFL. And so we don't believe we sit here and have, uh, have uh, uh, the magic bullet that nobody else has in grading these guys. So we assume that the guys we really like are high on other people's boards too. Your first round pick, Dax Hill, spent three years at Michigan, three starts as a freshman, honorable mention, all Big Ten as a sophomore, one of the best players in the conference last year. When did he start to be on your radar? Is that a guy that, that you've started to think highly of over the course of a couple of years? Yeah, you know, we, we, we normally focus on the draft class that's eligible for the draft. That's our initial process. We do have awareness of guys who uh, can come out early, and uh, a lot of times the schools will help you with that list in your, when you're in there. But when you're talking about major programs, and, and players who have played with them for three years. We're also college football fans like everyone else, so we, we, don't, we don't live under a rock somewhere and, who's this? Uh, he wasn't on my list of seniors. I don't think I, you know, you can't watch tape without noticing people that might not be eligible for the draft. Um, but, you know, it, it, yes, we, we, had a, we had a firm awareness of him uh, throughout the process. We knew that there was a possibility he would want to leave early based on what he had done. And, um, you know, love the, love the guys that produce big at big-level programs. And, and, you know, all things equal, why not that? He's been listed as a safety, but last year the majority of his snaps – came as a slot corner what position should we call him is he a like old school defensive halfback we will uh we we will see uh he'll play what he earns you know uh uh, the the draft round and the draft number and everything that's all in the past now we just have uh uh, he's gonna i don't know what number he's gonna wear 20 uh 23 so now he's number 23 for the cincinnati bengals and number 23 will get what he earns uh, just like everybody else on our roster They'll, they'll grow their role at the pace that they're able to grow their role. And uh, the coaches are, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have a guy that can grow the role in a few different areas, and, and he can do that. And uh, I look forward to seeing his progression with us. So I love draft gurus, and they love me because I buy all of it, all the magazines, all of the stuff that you can download. It's good reading leading up to the draft. I know that doesn't mean anything uh, internally to you guys, but I want to look at offensive lineman Cordell Volson because you took him in the fourth round. These gurus typically had a later grade than that, and they cited his athleticism. He's got the size and strength, maybe not the foot speed or whatever. Uh, why did you feel he was worthy of the spot where you chose him? Well, I guess we disagreed. You know, uh, we, we think he does uh, have the movement to play in the schematics that we want him to play in, and we think he's got versatility to play tackle and guard. Um, we think really... Uh, his, his true upside might be inside, and, uh, and that'll be up to Frank to uh, determine that the more he gets to work with him and, and see where he fits best. But he's uh, big, tough, strong, smart, productive at a school that is a productive school. It might not be the biggest level, but, uh, but uh, those kids are, are being coached as well as uh, any, any players in, uh, in the country.
He's got four national championship rings. It'd be, nice, it'd be nice if he got a Super Bowl yeah. ring as well. When Frank Pollock spoke about him after the selection, he really emphasized the intangibles, the toughness, the blank in his neck, the expression that Frank likes to use. How important is that uh, thought process from Frank, and do you share it? I do. I, I think that unit has to play as one. And when you get guys that are all uh, bought in and have similar temperaments, similar mentalities, similar love for the game, I think they can gel and play well together. That group is never just uh, five individuals playing. And if you get a little better at this spot, you're a little better. doesn't mean that just because you have a, a different trait at a spot that the unit is going to play as well uh, together. And so we're trying to find guys that all have the same temperament, the same love, desire, and passion for the game, um, and, and love the grind. I mean, those guys, that's, that's all they have. You know, I mean, you could ask Lap. That's, that's what they have. They have the passion and the love of the grind. That's, they don't get to score touchdowns. And, you know, they're normally not the ones doing the advertisements and all that stuff, except for Lap, who, <laughs> who's figured out a path that way. But, uh, but you know, they're, they're the guys that are there for the love of the game. If they're playing because of what the game gives them, that is not the position for you because there's a lot of work that goes into it. You obviously have a Super Bowl roster. Did that make it easier for you to only wind up with six picks? Um. Again, I, I would rather have eight. I'd rather have ten. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, we didn't feel like we had a bunch of an immediate starter needs right now. So we, we had some freedom to uh, pick guys that can come on at their own pace. Um, if they earn starting roles, they earn starting roles. Uh, we're not going to rule that out by any stretch. But um, they're, they're guys that we believe – you know, can supply us good snaps in the present and and grow their role in the future. And so it's nice to have a team that, that you don't have to plug and play uh, rookies. Based on their social media posts, you've got at least 13 undrafted free agents that intend to sign with the Bengals. It doesn't become official here until they've had a physical and, and been in town and actually physically signed the contract. But how important is that group considering the limited number of draft picks? Uh, it's hugely important, and it's something that we put a lot of focus on uh, throughout uh, the entire draft process, but certainly throughout April, uh, we're trying to identify guys that we like that may go through the draft, try to build a relationship with them, get them comfortable with our coaching staff, our city, our team, um, try to, try to uh, give them an idea of what their role would be if they end up here. Uh, so when you do get to call them, and uh, start talking to them about coming to Cincinnati, you know, when, when it's finally uh, time to do that, they have that in their back of their mind. They know exactly who's going to coach them, what the role's going to be, and what my opportunity to make the team is. And, and those guys, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, will make the back end of your roster, your 52nd, 53rd, 51st player. Um, and then they'll also populate your 16-man practice squad and, and have to be ready to come up and play at a moment's notice. So with the rosters expanding like they have, those guys are really important. Between the three offensive linemen you signed in free agency and tight end Hayden Hurst and injured players coming back like Joseph Osai and this year's draft class, how much better is your roster? 
Well, we like to think it's better. I mean, if you stay the same, you're getting worse, and and we we could not afford to uh, not improve our team. Um, if that's the case, you're not going to make it back to where you want to go. You always have to get it better, and uh, so that was a focus in free agency. That was a focus in the draft, and we think we're there. We think we've got guys that that can improve our team. We think our existing players that got the taste of success last year will improve their games even. And uh, the new players that came in will elevate uh, the rest of the unit. Final question. I appreciate your time. This is the Monday after the draft. It also happens to be the first day that the veteran players are back in the building. It has come along really quickly since that Super Bowl. Uh, what, what is the excitement level like in this building to get rolling again? Well, it's definitely exciting to see the guys back in the building. I walked in this morning fully anticipating to go down and uh, get a sauna in and uh, get a workout in. And the first thing I saw was all the players down there, and I guess I'd forgot they were coming. And so I I guess I got to put that off until this afternoon. So I was a little irritated at first. And then then I realized, oh, damn, it is good to see the guys. And and so, yeah, it's, it's fun to get them back. It'll be really fun to to uh, see our rookies come in, you know, in a couple weeks and, and see them in our helmets and moving around on our field, that, that's always an exciting time for scouts. It was really fun to interact with the guys that you drafted over the course of the weekend, some great personalities. We look forward to getting to know them better. And, again, I appreciate your time. You bet, Dan. Thank you. In that conversation with Duke, I mentioned that at least 13 undrafted free agents have tweeted out their plans to sign with the Bengals. Now that number is up to 17. And here are a few of the names that I find most intriguing. Let's start with Ben Brown, an interior offensive lineman from Ole Miss. The athletics draft guru, Dane Brugler, rated Brown as the seventh best center in this year's draft and gave him a fourth or fifth round grade. He had a torn biceps last year, which probably explains why he wasn't drafted. But Ben started 40 games at Ole Miss, 30 at guard and 10 at center. Another interior offensive line worth noting is Desmond Noel, who played his college football at Florida Atlantic, but he's a local kid out of Coleraine High School. I like his Twitter handle, IGoHard65. There's a local college player in the group in Miami University wide receiver Jack Sorensen, who had a huge year for the Red Hawks last season with 76 catches for 1,406 yards and 10 touchdowns. Sorensen had 100-plus receiving yards in six consecutive games. On the defensive side of the ball, keep an eye on Colorado linebacker Carson Wells, who got a seventh-round grade from Brugler. Not only was he a four-year starter for the Buffaloes, but he was his high school's valedictorian. And finally, the Bengals signed the highest-rated long snapper in this year's draft, Cal Adamitis out of Pitt, who was the only long snapper invited to the Senior Bowl this year. He'll compete in training camp with Clark Harris, who turns 38 in July. The Bengals did not sign any undrafted punters. Instead, they reached a deal on Monday with 14-year veteran Kevin Huber, who will compete in training camp with Drew Chrisman out of LaSalle High School and Ohio State. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. This past season, Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the year with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. Before I play my one-on-one interview with Dax Hill, 
let me tell you about his schedule leading up to it. Dax got drafted on Thursday night after 11 p.m. and finished up his media obligations around midnight. At 4.30 in the morning, he was on his way to the airport to catch a 6 a.m. flight to Cincinnati. And I sat down and talked to him in the Bengals locker room that afternoon. Dax, congratulations. You were one of the top recruits in the country coming out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you got to choose then. In the NFL draft, you're waiting for somebody to choose you. How nerve-wracking was that? Uh, very, very um, ner- nerve-wracking. Um, like you said, you don't really get to choose, so they choose me. So I was really just waiting for someone to choose me, and that kind of took uh, a while, you know, toward the back end of the, you know, the first round. So um, all in all, I'm kind of, you know, excited, you know, for the opportunity and glad that, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, picked me up. We often hear players talking about how they see an area code pop up on their phone, and that's kind of when they have the first indication of who's calling. Did that happen with you? Uh, I saw the city pop up. So I think it said Cleveland, Ohio, something like that, so I already knew it was uh, Cincinnati for sure. <laughs> so the Bengals are obviously coming off a trip to the Super Bowl, and I'm sure like any avid football player or fan, you were following that during the postseason and, and into their game against the Rams. Did you start to learn things about the Bengals, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, et cetera? I mean, I know they're a cohesive team. Um, you know, they're kind of bringing back the culture, you know, from years ago, um, really just changing the, the entire, you know, um, outlook of the team. So I felt like I didn't really know too much about them until, you know, the back end of the season. But um, no, they're a close group. I've heard a lot of good, good things, you know, since I've been here. Um, close, close-knit team. So looking forward to, you know, to working with those guys. I think at the NFL Scouting Combine, teams are allowed to meet with 45 guys, if I'm not mistaken, for 18 minutes apiece. So it's a bit of a whirlwind. I'm sure you met with a lot of teams. But in that meeting, did you form any impressions about the Bengals? Um, I knew they were, you know, high on me. Um, I knew... I had a great relationship with the coach, you know, leading up to, you know, the, the combine and then some area scouts. So definitely knew going into it um, that I was confident. They believed in what I could do. So wasn't really too, too, too low about that, that conversation. So definitely a good, good experience. This franchise over the past few years has put a heavy emphasis on guys that love the grind. Is that a description of you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely enjoy the grind at, at Michigan. I feel like they've had me uh, very prepared, you know, for a grind of, of an NFL, you know, type of schedule. So definitely feel prepared for an NFL grind. We're visiting with Bengals first round draft pick Dax Hill. So in the run up to the draft, when I'm reading the various draft gurus and looking at all these magazines and so forth, you're typically listed as a safety. But I feel like we shouldn't call you a safety because you played a ton of slot corner. You did play safety, but it almost should be defensive back. Uh, yeah, I feel like I am a defensive back. Really can't put a label on it until you know I'm out on the field and you know in a certain defense. So really don't want to limit myself. I feel like I can do a lot of a lot of different things. So. Um, yes, I'll classify myself as a DB. And that's the way you want it going forward, right? You don't want to just be a center fielder, safety, a slot corner. You like being a Swiss Army knife, correct? Uh, yes, and I feel like that's kind of like you know the day and age now. Guys are playing multiple positions. You know, another way to get out on the field. So I consider myself, you know, as a swift, swift Army knife and <laughs> able to play different positions. You had sacks. You had interceptions. 
obviously tackles for loss. Is there something on the football field that you get the biggest charge out of? Uh, I mean, I enjoy it all. Uh, there's something I really don't like on, you know, playing, you know, playing the game of football. So really just being out there and making plays with my teammates is the, the biggest thing for me. You have an older brother that we're familiar with because he's been in the AFC North. Justice running back for the Baltimore Ravens. How big of a point of a point of pride is it in your family now to have multiple players that have advanced to the NFL? Uh, I mean, it's really just a testament to to our parents um, how we kind of raised raised in a tight knit family, and um, I feel like that's just a testament of you know since I've been a kid until now they've always been in my corner, supportive, and so uh, so yeah that that game was very highly anticipated. You know you know coming up so definitely that'll be an exciting game for you know for the family to watch <laughs> he was one of many guys that was hurt last year correct uh yes he was yeah, how difficult was that whole thing for him and for his entire team uh i mean he's a strong you know strong-willed person so i feel like he didn't get too high or low he knew everything happened for a reason so uh i talked to talked to him about that and didn't feel any type of way um he knew uh that next year he will prove himself, you know, to be even better. So uh, he went he went through recovery really, really well, and, um, yeah, so he's good now. So we're talking about 3.30 in the afternoon, the day after the draft. You got chosen about 11.30 last night, so it's been a whirlwind. You get the call. You're with 60 friends and family members. You celebrate a little bit. You talk to the media. You catch a few hours of sleep. You're on a plane. You're in Cincinnati. And now you're talking to a bunch of local reporters. Are you running on fumes? I am, and I'm stumbling on my words saying it right now. <laughs> I can't even speak clearly today just because it's been a lot a lot of long hours, you know, the last day or two. But I'm definitely excited and uh, thankful for, you know, that I'm feeling like this. <laughs> you walked in the news conference room. You held up a number 23 jersey. Did they show you the available numbers? I know you wore 30 at Michigan, but that was unavailable because of Jesse Bates. Right. Um, yeah, they showed me 26, 27, 29. So 23 was my, my deciding factor. And just because, like I said, in the press conference, Michael jo- Jordan's kind of like the, the greatest of all time. So I kind of want to mimic my game, you know, you know, out on the field in that way. <laughs> you told us basketball was your first love. Did you play everything as a kid in Tulsa, all, all sports that you could? Uh, it was really just basketball and football. Um, so football was kind of like fourth grade and then eventually got into track later on in my high school career, like or early in my high school career, freshman and sophomore year. So um, so ended up playing three sports throughout my, you know, elementary all the way through high school. How would you wind up in Michigan? Uh, really just built a great relationships, formed a great relationships with the players and the coaches there. And it was a no-brainer for me to, you know, go there. And also, you know, want to go far away from home, you know, find myself. And so that's what I did and felt like um, that worked out really well for me. So right after draft weekend, players report, you get to work, start meeting your new teammates. Uh, how eager are you to get started? Very eager. Um, I know this is a new chapter in my life. And, it's going to, you know, be life-changing as well, but also uh, an eye-opener to, you know, the business world and how things operate. Op- things operate totally different, you know, from, you know, collegiate level to the pros. So I really want to carry myself in a way as a pro every day, and that's what I'm looking forward to, you know, meeting teammates, my new teammates, and then, you know, competing out in the field as well. 
You're a first-round draft pick. It's an extraordinary accomplishment, recognition of a lot of hard work. Congratulations. Welcome to Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Later that night, Dax was treated to a celebratory dinner at Carlo and Johnny, one of Jeff Ruby's restaurants. In case you're wondering, he did not get a steak burrow or the Munoz or the Collinsworth. He opted for the salmon. Now that's discipline. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free to play next level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.